I don't ever want to be the cheapest one in town. That's not my model. I am not cheap by any standards. That brilliance that people get from me in 15 minutes, that took 30 years to get. So it sounds arrogant. I don't think so. It's the confidence. I have that. I built that. But not everyone's going to say yes. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with disappointing them too at the end of the day. They still aren't paying me. So I don't let that drag me down. You're not paying for my kid's college. Sorry, maybe next time when you write it into your budget. Welcome to Working Mom Out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Working Mom Hour. I'm Erica. And I'm Madeline. We're working moms, business partners, and friends with kids at different ages and stages. We know moms tend to get more done in an hour than the average human, yet are often misunderstood and underappreciated in the workplace. We are here to shine a light on the working mom experience to help ourselves and others step into and advocate for the superpower. We are not experts. We're two women who have been there and are still there, kids, clients, and all. Join us as we cultivate more joy in working motherhood at the corner of calm and chaos. One of my first networking events post-pandemic was a Women of Excellence event, and it was so lovely to be around hundreds of women supporting one another, laughing, sharing tales of working motherhood over the past couple years, and praising each other for surviving them. And I had an opportunity to catch up with Veronica Cool, a woman I have admired for years as a mother and business leader, and we touched on this topic of value. Women struggle with recognizing and confidently owning their value. And candidly, it's been a challenge for me in business. I know what I bring to the table. I know how good we are at what we do. And yet the mentality I was raised to believe, pay me what you think I'm worth, creeps in, especially when someone questions it. Yeah. And the gender pay gap that still exists is a barometer for how far we've come and how far we still have to go here. It's down, but by just eight cents in the past 25 years. In 2020, women earned 84% of what men earned, according to a Pew Research Center study. And at this rate, it would take an extra 42 days of work for women to earn what men did. And Black and Latino women earned even less. This will be an insightful conversation. After 20 years in the corporate sector, Veronica launched Cool and Associates. I mean, you can't beat that name. A management <laughs> consulting firm to bridge the mainstream world to the Hispanic segment in the U.S. She's presented internationally addressing topics such as Hispanic engagement, diverse segment marketing, entrepreneurship, financial literacy, access to capital, and women in business and leadership. She's a columnist for Huffington Post, The Daily Record, and Mundo Latino. Veronica has won too many awards to list, but a few of note, she won the NFL Hispanic Heritage Leadership Award and the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Corporate Leader of the Year. First Lady Michelle Obama recognized Veronica for her commitment to youth mentoring, and Maryland's governor appointed her to serve on the statewide governor's workforce investment board, and she recently elected to serve on the Maryland Comptroller's Elect Transition Team as the co-chair of the Procurement and Public Works work group. She is also the founder of the Latino Innovators Pitch, an innovative program to showcase and empower Latino entrepreneurs to scale and grow their businesses profitably and sustainably. She's done all of this and more while raising two kids who are now in college. This is going to be fun. Let's say hi to Veronica Cool. Veronica, welcome to Working Mom Hour. Hello, I'm so happy to be here with you. We're excited to have you. We'll jump right in. You run one of the country's most prominent management consulting firms focused on bridging the mainstream world to the Hispanic segment. Prior to this, you spent two decades in the corporate sector. What inspired you to launch your own consulting practice? You know, it was the obvious need. There's a lot of gaps. I'm Latina. I was born in the Dominican Republic. And the obvious need of the world trying to reach my community and my community trying to reach the world 
and there was no connection. And obviously I hate repetition. I mean, as a mom, I can say that. How many times do we say the same thing? 50 <laughs> times. Mm -hmm. So it took probably 10 years to realize I was answering the same question over and mm -hmm. over and over. How do we get Hispanics? Well, you got to go over there. How do we translate? Well, you got to do it this way. And I'm like, oh my God. I've answered this question a hundred times. So I'm not stupid. After I was like, you know what? I think this is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I launched a company with lofty goals of just bossing people around. And now we have this fantasy at home that people listen to you. <laughs> and then I was like, I will consult and tell them all what to do. And then the saving grace was that that worked really well. So well that they would just immediately take our input and say, great. Can you execute that? And I wasn't budgeting on that. I didn't forecast that. So it was a great evolution of the company to go from consulting and just bossing people around to actually doing the work. Mm. So what actually does your firm do? I know this is so fun. We are unique, as we all are. We build the bridge between the American mainstream and the Hispanic community. So no industry. Mm -hmm. We work yeah. with government agency, nonprofits, but we do something as simple as a translation. Like how do we translate this podcast so that mm -hmm. Hispanic Spanish speakers can understand it? But also how do we structure the podcast? How do we change the questions? How do we make it culturally relevant? What mm -hmm. community outreach activity? Who are the right media influencers, community partners? Where do we go to get Hispanics to say yes to our widget? And we work with government agencies like the Department of Housing, the Department of Health. We work with private sector companies that want to hire more Latinos. We work with foundations that have money and grants and want to aid and support the Hispanic community. And again, all these things live here and Hispanics are over there. And despite the fact that we're in the same country, it's like two spheres. What we do is everything in the middle. Simplest way to describe it is we're the Spanish extension, the Spanish arm of the American entity. And yeah. you may have a marketing department, you may have a PR department, you may have a designer, HR. You don't know how to take that so that it works with them. And whether you're trying to recruit Hispanic students, Hispanic voters, Hispanic business partners, Hispanic employees, we take anything you have cooking and we Latinize it, we mm -hmm. make it culturally appropriate so that it gets through to the Latino and they act. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a wide range of, of things. Uh, it's so much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun every day, but it's super painful. <laughs> we'll talk about this because I, it's, it's fun and super needed. painful. Yeah, It's all needed. And often we have a challenge. We're never in anybody's budget. We're such an afterthought, and you can apply that to how with lack of women, women's equity, like December 8th is Latina Equity Day. It mm -hmm. takes us 23 months to get to what a white man earns. 23 months. Wow. So we're making like 55 cents an hour. And I know we'll talk about value in a second. Yeah. But when we get invited to get to the table as a Latina and as a woman, yeah. I'm like, shit, we don't have time to do that. You mean in, in 30 days you want us to activate that? What? If we yeah. don't say yes and get into that painful situation, then it doesn't happen. Not that mm -hmm. we're awesome. It's that nobody thought about it. And when we make it, we're resourceful enough to execute because at the end of the day, then we don't vote. Then we right. don't show up. Then they don't have health access for your kids to get a stinking vaccine because the flyer isn't in Spanish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you yes. show up, you show up and you're in pain the whole time, but you're like, damn it, I'm coming. And you make it work. So necessary. I've heard you throw out the stat, and it's alarming, the market share that the Hispanic market, yeah, the potential you know, around it, and it's ignored a lot of the time, or it's an afterthought, and you have to move quick. Yeah. Erica, let me tell you. So per the 2020 census, and by the mm -hmm. way, the 2020 census was an anomaly. It happened during a pandemic with a very challenging administration. So it was either on or off. People didn't know how to respond, whether to respond, COVID. And President Trump had thrown in a statement saying that you had to be a U.S. citizen to answer. And that was canceled. That never happened. But the damage was done. So throw those three barriers and the census did not do a good job of counting people. So I'm giving you that precedent so you know that the numbers are crazy conservative. One out of every six people in the U.S. is Latino. One out of every five millennial is Latino. One out of every four kindergartner is Latino. One out of every two babies being born is Latino. 
Wow. And there is a million Latinos turning 18 every year. So again, conservative numbers. If you're not paying attention to us, that's your future workforce. That's your future volunteer, your future voter, your future consumer. And people aren't paying attention. Yes, we speak English. Yes, we're bilingual, but we're not a typical American. So that's why the company is doing wonderful. It's hard because everything is different and we're doing so much customization, but it's part of the growth. It does this way. It's hard work. You mentioned to us that you needed the 20 years experience in finance and operations to face the roller coaster ride of building your own business. Talk to us about what those years taught you. Yeah. So, you know, you got to fake it until you make it. We don't know what the hell we're doing. And I defy anyone that says, none of us know. I defy anyone that goes, well, I know. No, you don't. You have no clue. I was blessed to spend 20 years in banking, right? So the last 10, it was in business banking. I had to get deals done for businesses. I had to get your building finance, your equipment finance. I had to get your people finance. I had to look at your numbers. And that taught me how to make sure the numbers were structured properly and present them in the best light possible with a lot of risk mitigation. So banking always thinks about worst case scenario. If the crap hits the fan, Can we get our money back? Can we recoup it? Can the company stand? So you're watching all of this. You're deeply embedded into it. So when you leave, I'm not going to jeopardize any of it. I'm not going to jeopardize my family. I'm not going to jeopardize my home, my food. I am not going to jeopardize the people that have trusted me to work for me. So I needed that intimate knowledge. And mind you, I have a master's degree in finance at an MBA, an MSF in finance. It was the operational experience that taught you the everyday, op- just working, understanding the numbers. So if you're a business owner and you don't know your numbers, shame on you. The number of times I saw women talking about, oh, I made $3 million last year. No, no, you didn't make $3 million. You billed $3 million. You spent yeah. 3.5. You lost money. People yeah. don't understand their numbers. So that was a big, big lesson for me. Number two, being in corporate, being in that environment at high levels, I learned who made decisions, where the money flowed, and how to sell. And I, to this day, see small business owners barking up the wrong tree, barking up, offering the wrong Mm -hmm. sale, the wrong Mm -hmm. value. They don't care about be nice. Oh, you're shopping from a small business. Who cares? What is the impact? What's the social impact? What are the numbers? What's their protocol? What do they need to hear so they can say yes? That was priceless. I didn't know I had that until I saw other people failing. Go, why do you keep talking about being a woman-owned business? They don't care. They care about X, Y, and Z. What do they want? Yep. That was epic. I didn't know I had that. We forget what we've learned, and I don't think we leverage what we've learned until you get drawn to pull it out of your reservoir of resources. Like, I know how to do this. Hold on. I did this. That was priceless. Yeah. And one of the consistent roadblocks you faced, and I think most women in business face is realizing your worth and trying to tackle the outside forces that devalue your work because you're a woman and or a mother. And we've talked at length about this and you've helped me to process it differently too. But how did you learn to overcome this? I have a problem, right? I have no <laughs> filter. I'm often through a little too direct. And I'm like, not sure that's what you want to say to me. <laughs> if it was a man, he'd be like, oh my God, he's so articulate. But yeah. if it's me, I'm too direct. So the answer to the question is, honestly, I like money. So I want to pause there for effect so that everyone can trash you. And oh my God, this woman said, I know it sounds crass. And I know we're not supposed to say that. But are you serious? So because of the money that I was able to build and save and collect and earn, I have the life I have. I funded the candidates that are running for office that are representing my community, my women, my Latinos. I have paid for my kids' college. I go on these awesome outings. My mom has dementia and we got to cover assisted living. I pay for that. I pay for that. And I like that comfort. So you don't get to have that benefit if you don't go get it. The, oh, pay me what you're worth. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's $4. I'm the seven day. Why are you ashamed? Why are you embarrassed? We don't expect that from anyone. As you go to a restaurant, you want a steak, you see on the menu what it's for. Nobody negotiates that. 
Right. Why are we going into it? So I didn't have to learn it. I had to learn patience and not chewing somebody up that would offend me asking again for a free service. That took a lot of it. I do that cause and effect analysis where if I work for you for free, then I'm not making the $10 my kid needs. Then I can't raise my mortgage payment. And the other thing, I don't ever want to be the cheapest one in town. That's not my model. I am not cheap by any standards. That brilliance that people get from me in 15 minutes, that mm -hmm. took 30 years to get. Mm -hmm. So it sounds arrogant. I don't think so. It's the confidence. I have that. I built that. So I don't ever have a concern saying, I'm $250 an hour. That's $5,000 a month. That package, we can work it out. That's about 50 grand. We can make that work for 75 grand. And I'll make concessions and adjustments depending on that opportunity cost. But not everyone's going to say yes. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with disappointing them too at the end of the day. They still aren't paying me. So I don't let that drag me down. You're not paying for my kid's college. Sorry, maybe next time when you write it into your budget. Yeah, this is such an important... <laughs> conversation mm -hmm. yeah. for women in business. And you made a comment and it's been in my head and it happened to us last week that we do it to each other. Women do yeah. it to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You can't even get me <laughs> excited about that. I don't allow that. I stop working for free. I don't allow my sisters to do it. And those mm -hmm. are my figurative sisters. Right, every right. time I solicit something, it's in every one of my budgets, every mm -hmm. one of my budgets. When I work with a client, I put in my budget. This is where you got to know your numbers. I put in my budget, uh, influencer, Erica, all I have is a thousand dollars. Maybe she can mention me twice in the program. Sorry, Erica, just a thousand dollars. You would have done it anyway, but your expertise, yeah. your network, your followers, there's value in that. So every mm -hmm. time me as a sister goes to a fellow sister and says, hey, can you do this? And I, I, can you do it for free? And we accept that we minimize each other's worth. No. Mm. So maybe the answer should message. be, yeah, maybe I can't give you 10 grand, Eric. I know that's what you charge. My budget is limited. I can give you a thousand. Could you do one post? Could you do one X? So you can still get the friends and family break, right? Mm. <laughs> you don't have to pay full price. <laughs> but I stopped working for free. I would encourage women to make it sustainable and profitable for us to make a living both sides, right? Let's work on projects where we can do well together. Let's go get money. There are tons of foundations. There's tons of equity work, funding, granting. The American Rescue Act, it's ARPA, money's falling from the sky from the federal government to ensure that the USA recovers from COVID. Multiple state agencies, multiple foundations, multiple groups are getting tons of dollars to ensure we get back on our feet. The data shows that women make 86% of household decisions, not just Latina women, women in general. So there is funding for how do we empower women? How do we grow women? How do we support women so that more things happen? So let's go get grants for how do we have an empowerment training session for Latina women, Latina entrepreneurs? We can do 5000 pay you guys to do the piece on PR. So those are the things that we should be working on so that we can hire each other with real money. And there's no favors, no favors. We can help each other for sure. But the initial request should be, help me out. Do me a favor. That should be after the 10 times I paid you. Can you help me out now? But yeah, I paid you 10 right. times. That's the difference. Right. I mean, there's probably a lot of women out there listening who are feeling this and can understand how changing this would change their lives. How did you change that mindset and get over that fear and become more abundant? And then how did it change your life and your business? All right. So first it, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, no, ever, ever. I want to be honest. When somebody says to you, oh, can you present to my high school student group? Can you present at a top, you know, Fortune 100 company and we don't have a budget? But, you know, the visibility you get. Yeah. And you're writing that response. You know, yeah, you can't say it because you're like. She's middle fingering listeners. This is a YouTube grid. watch. This is a YouTube, yeah, yeah, this uh, is a YouTube yeah. watch. <laughs> hey, look, I'm not dropping all my F-bombs. You may. It's going to happen in English and Spanish. Perfect. No, but I had the heartburn, my blood. I'm like, shit, you're yeah. right. They're a big company. Whether Nike, Under Armour. Oh my God, Stanley Black and Decker. I should go ahead and do it because the visibility. So you have that heartburn where you second guess yourself. And you know what? Q. No, bitch. You all eat. 
You all eat. That's the other thing that stresses me out. I was invited by a government agency to drive to D.C. to present for Hispanic Heritage Month. But by the way, it's the only time many people remember Hispanics exist. So I drive two hours. D.C. is a nightmare when it comes to traffic and parking. So that's a whole day to yeah. present for one hour. And their response to me was, oh, the visibility you got to be in front of us. You, so you're not even paying for my gas, my parking, my time. My time. Yeah. yeah. So it feels awkward to say no, because we are groomed as women to be nurturing, to be helpful. You right. got to help. You got to serve. You have to help. And more so in our culture, we're supposed to make sure the brothers and the fathers are sitting and we serve them mm-hmm. before we sit down. We're supposed to clean. We're supposed to put things together. So culturally, I'm going against my norm. So to answer the question, it was painful, but I liked money. I liked the reward. I liked the life I have. And then I realized, shit, if my daughter came home and told me she was doing a babysitting job for $3 an hour or that she cat sat and then watched somebody's house and nobody paid her, how riled up would I be? Mm-hmm. So then when I see a fellow sister telling me the same thing, oh, I did it. Every single interaction that I have with women, especially Latina women, I have this, you're not billing me properly. No, no, that's what I bill. I'm so sorry. No, that's <laughs> it. You charged me too much. You didn't bill me for your time. You billed me for your staff. You billed me for this, but where's your time? And, mm-hmm. and then the supplies. And I coach and I fix their invoice. Every influencer I hire, they're not influencers. I go, you have a following of 50,000 people. I need you to share my content. I will pay you. Oh, but I'll do it for you. You're my friend. Why? So it starts with every single interaction. It's that intentionality. I was talking to my therapist. And by the way, I said that on purpose because I want to normalize that powerful, successful women. Need help. Have therapists. (laughs) Yeah. I have COVID. I took medicine. Nobody thinks that's weird. If I am stressed and I say I went to a therapist, everybody does the side eye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I like to just normalize that. But one of the things she talks about often is that intentionality of pausing. So if we don't like it, pause. If I hate people taking advantage of me and my expertise, am I doing that to other people? I make Mm -hmm. a point if I'm entering a situation and I always ask, does that feel fair to you? Does that feel good to you? So that I can hear your response. And you're going to say to me, actually, I typically charge a thousand. And then we'll talk it out. We negotiate. We look at the numbers, of course. That's where you have to look at your numbers. I didn't say be an idiot, but I think we should respect each other and it goes in the budget. But hopefully that answers the question. I mean, we have to talk about it and do it every time. And we have to speak up. I don't play. I don't play if it doesn't make sense because then I keep thinking of my daughter. I keep thinking of the people I say, don't let this happen to you. And here I am letting it happen to me. Mm -hmm. I want to reiterate because you sort of glazed over this and you said, if someone's not charging you correctly, one of your vendors, then you challenge them. Invoice me for the full amount. This is what I'm going to pay you. And Erica, you do that too. And I've been with you for two years, Erica, and you've done it from day one. And I've always really respected that about you. So how can we help each other do that? And I think that's an amazing model for other women and other anyone in business and for your children. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying we take advantage of each other. I'm not saying I'm not going to make money yeah, at all. I'll take advantage of each other. Yeah. We're still profitable. But like there's some basic things, budgeting. I push my kids to do this and myself. I do a lot of planning and I'm not saying fancy spreadsheets, none of that. But look at basic numbers. If you would pay someone to do what you're doing, that's a cost that should be built. So you don't do yourself a favor by going, well, I'm already there. I have a girlfriend that does event planning. So she only bills me for her staff and any extra, any incidentals. And I go, but your staff and you planned it. There's a project cost. You planned the staff, the coordination, the showing up, the driving, the picking up. Where is that cost? And she's like, well, I don't typically charge you. But if you had a person that was doing that, you would pay them. Well, yes, of course. So right. why don't you count as that person? So I never understood that mentality of you're not doing me a favor. I have it in my budget. That means the government agency is going to keep that extra money. I'm not pocketing that. Why would you automatically belittle, demean yourself? You're not worth it. That's something that is perpetual and it takes a lot of time and you're bucking the norm. You have to constantly fight it because they think they're being nice to you. Mm -hmm. This goes beyond being nice. You're not being nice to you if you're starving tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's not nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. 
Oh. Yeah. I don't think I walked out of the womb knowing my worth, to be honest. So is there a moment for you that you, the switch was flipped where you were like, okay, I'm going to ask from this point forward. There was a moment. Yeah. I do a lot of public speaking, right? I did a favor for a girlfriend of mine who asked me to present at a really, really large conference. And there were two keynote speakers, me and this man. And we were preparing, we're talking, we're preparing, blah, 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 blah. And then I found out this man got paid five grand and I got paid nothing. And of course I blew it out the water and I was spectacular (laughs) and I didn't get anything. And I was just like, why did, and the short answer he asked, I didn't, I felt like such a fucking idiot. I was like, are you kidding me? In a million years, I didn't ask. I didn't ask. I did not ask. How stupid am I? So I've practiced how to say to a friend, to an honorable, really, you know, big, fancy, schmuckety thing. How do I say I I am worth this? And Mm -hmm. I always overball it. I'm 10,000. I'm 7,500. I'm 15 grand plus travel, plus the blah, 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 so that I can scale back if they come in with a sob story or I feel like I want to scale it back. I'll do maybe 10 nonprofits pro bono a year and they're geared towards students, women, students, mentoring high school girls. They're my gift to my community, right? And I actually will say that, I'm sorry, my pro bono presentations are booked for the year. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. I cover myself that way. But at the other end, when people make you feel really guilty, that mm-hmm. there's a lot of guilt, I'm like, you're not paying me. You didn't cover my kid's tuition. You didn't pay my bills. You're not paying my team's payroll. Why am I feeling guilty? They just asked. They said no. And I say, no, I don't feel bad about it. Maybe next year when you have it in the budget. Mm -hmm. And then the money I do make on those speaking engagements, I'm really happy to say that goes right back to my nonprofits, my philanthropy. So it's a beautiful cycle and it feels even better. I don't need it. But I also want to teach these organizations that crap should be in your budget. How dare you? Don't pay me, but you pay this random guy. He sucks. Compared to me, please. (laughs) That even riles me up more. It's true, though. We are not taught to advocate for ourselves in the same way that boys are taught to advocate for themselves. I'm seeing it with my daughter, and I hope you are too, Veronica. We'll go get our nails done, and I'm watching her, and I'll sit there, and I'll hate it. And I'll be like, this is great. Okay. And my daughter will be like, nope. You missed a part here. You need to do this. You need to do that at 12. And part of me is like, oh my gosh, where did you learn how to do that? And the other part of me is like, I just learned from you how to ask for what I want. And it's just this people pleasing mentality. I mean, culturally, I'm first generation Italian and the way the women are treated are similar to what you were saying, Veronica, where we're sort of put on this planet to serve the men in our community. So when I would babysit my mother, I would say, how do I ask for money? And she'd say, well, you tell them, pay me what you think I deserve. And I carried that until I met my husband, until I met Joe. And he was helping me get ready for a review. And he's like, what are you going to ask for your salary? And I was like, well, I always say, pay me what you think I'm worth. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) You can't say that. And then I figured out I was making about 30, 40 grand less than my male counterpart that I was running circles around because I was like, oh, pay me what you think I'm worth. Yeah. It's terrible. No, (laughs) that whole passiveness, you know, and being in corporate taught me that I ran my own team and I made a point of having equity. But that happened to me too. A young buck came out of school, three months of experience, and he got the promotion and the money. And that was another push for get the hell out of here. I can't, I'm not, you're not, you don't deserve me. So Mm -hmm. we have to do a lot better. I'm going to be honest. I think our generation and compare that to our kids, my daughter's 20. You're right. Talk about learning. They don't have a lot of the baggage we had. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more equity. There's a lot more openness about equity that before it was embarrassing. You couldn't be in that awkward situation of saying, I should be getting none of that. They expect it. They have less labels than we have from the gender identity, from the gender fluidity discussions than we ever did. So it is awe-inspiring to just watch them in action and just how comfortable they're in their own skin. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to learn. Lots to learn. Yes. Yes. And we admire really how you have unapologetically 
prioritized your family. And this is also not easy to do because having family responsibilities is still very much perceived as a weakness in many workplace environments. What advice can you share around working through this? Yeah, it's a really good one. So first of all, I want to make sure that anyone watching understands that there have been numerous mistakes, right? I've dropped the ball hundreds of times. So by no means is there any perfection here. But I also think that's a reality that our children need to see that mom isn't perfect, that mom is amazing, but shit got dropped, right? Oh, my mom, you left a kid on the side. (laughs) You didn't pick him up in time. (laughs) You didn't pay the permission money for the field trip. You didn't sign the form. So you're on the phone, go, just just sign my name. Force my name. Force my name. (laughs) So you know, there's some life lessons right there that you teach them. But the way I manage all of it, I'm going to sound like a freak here, is it's all about my calendar. It is all about my calendar. I built my life, my team, my work around my family and the things that I prioritize. So if I don't prioritize it, if I don't go to get my mammogram, if I don't take my kids to get their checkup, their vaccines, that means it wasn't important to me. It was not a priority. So there's zero excuses for people that go, I don't have time. No, it wasn't important to you. If we get a ticket and we got to go to court, somehow we find time. Right. If we all had to get vaccinated for COVID, we all found time. That's because it was important. So if we don't get things done, it's because they weren't important. So I build my life around what matters to me. My son's games. My son plays lacrosse. So, you know, lacrosse is a crazy ass sport where you're driving everywhere to go to these tournaments for fucking days. (laughs) And it's on my calendar. It's on my calendar. And it's booked on my calendar. I got out of whatever meetings I could. If I couldn't get out of a meeting. I took the meeting and I was honest. Hey, I'm on a lacrosse field, guys. You'll get some background noise. But I thought you were important that I still wanted to do this. So I let them know clients in the corporate sector, in the private sector, in the government sector. This matters to me, but so do you. So I'm balancing. And if Mm -hmm. there's some backlash over that, it's probably somebody I don't want to work with. Right. Totally. So that's a big thing. The other is I have very clear expectations about responsibilities. Very clear. So that everyone understands that even though I'm driving you to a game, I'm having a call. I'm having a team mm-hmm. meeting. My children knew. They knew. It is so funny to hear a 10-year-old go, my mom is a CEO of her own company. And so she puts the Spanish people with the Americans and she translates <laughs> because they're in the back seat in my team meetings. Yeah. So the other thought is I accepted. This is a gift I'm giving them. So there's a balance. I'm mm-hmm. cooking And I have the phone on me and they have to set the table and all that juggling happens. So I made it a point of really being flexible. Everybody understood the roles they played and they knew that look around you. Not every mom comes to every game. Not every mom can take a 930 FaceTime call every day from their 20 year old girl in college because that's when she rolls out of bed. (laughs) You balance, (laughs) you balance. But I'll tell you is I also let things go. I don't do the laundry. My husband took that job on. I hire people to do stuff for me. They're faster, better. Mm-hmm. My opportunity costs, I'm building a CRM for my company. And I struggled for a couple of months, me trying to do it in-house. I'm like, how stupid is this? I hired someone. I am paying a fraction of the cost to the expert. And now I'm free to go make more money. Yep. So that balancing act is priceless to me. For me, it's all about planning. Everything is written down. I plan as much as possible, even room to think, but allowing room for serendipity so that I can be a little bit open so that I can think and breathe so I can be better for them. I like to do Christmas traditions. I like the pajamas. I like the Christmas letters. I like to give them ornaments that represent their life this year. That crap takes time. Shit, I'm always late. So So you know what I did? I get on my phone and I put a reminder for renewal every year, November 1st. I design the ornaments. I order them the following weekend. November 1st, I write the Christmas letter. I spend all month arguing with my family about it. They hate everything I put in it. We argue, 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 argue. I still print everything I want. And then, oh, here it is. But it's all planned. Yeah. It's all planned year in and year out. And what I'll also say is that they, there's multiple reports that reflect that about 50% of today's workforce is has some form of gig employment, some side hustle. So you make life whatever the hell you want to make it. I have built what I need. I do whatever the hell I want to do for my kids, 
for my community, for my people, for my staff. It's not at all traditional. I work weekends, I work evenings, but then I can go take off and do a lacrosse tournament for a full day. I can move my mom into her facility. It's what I want. This is my life. This is what I want. So I would tell anyone watching is you build it. So if you're getting grief, if you're struggling, if you got to pick your kid up at three, get a job that that happens. Work online. Mm-hmm. There's multiple platforms. COVID showed us we could be yeah. remote. Be you. So that need, my kids are my priority. I make that work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that message of the calendar and that it's not just a work calendar. This is your life calendar. Yeah, we work in all those dimensions. We're not just one thing. We are a mom. And to be a mom, you also got to be a nurse. You also got to be a chauffeur. You also have to be the bank. You also have to be the cook. You can't do that in one lane or one dimension. We we are able to shift priorities, not multitask. That's not real. But we can jump from thing to thing exceptionally well. But it has to be planned. I plan as much as I can. And there's room. I have fun. I have a lot of fun. But it's planned. Yeah. Veronica, you hold on to traditions from both your culture and your husband's culture while prepping your kids for the world that they live in today. And you said, I had nothing and my kids have everything. But you said it not as a negative thing. You said they use their superpowers from both sides. Tell us more. Yeah, I was an immigrant. I came to the U.S. with my family. I didn't know I didn't have things. I was carved into being resilient. We didn't know that we had to figure things out. Nothing was handed to me. And it's not a sob story. I mean, that's a book to be written. It was hard as hell. And college, which to me was the the gateway to life and success and instability and and finding a way to live, it was magic. I made that... My family and I found a way to pay for college in three years. I didn't qualify for any financial aid, any loans, any money. So we had to pay for school cash. Mm-hmm. And that created who you are. Everything I have, I treasure, I earned it, I worked like an animal for. And my children don't have that. <laughs> my children are in college. They won't have that. So I could be envious. I could be jealous. Going, look at these little bitches. They don't have anything. <laughs> they just party every weekend. And then you go, but I gave them that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have to struggle like I struggle. That's not necessary. That torture is not on anyone. My husband and I gave them such a freaking huge leg up. They are light years ahead, not just of their peers, but of where I was. And that fills my heart with such accomplishment, with such, I did that. Mm -hmm. I gave my kids that. They know, I need them to know that that sacrifice needs to be appreciated. They need to capitalize on it. They can't waste it. This thing where they know me better than anyone, obviously, because they're my kids. They know what buttons to push. But they're still a little too young to understand just what that journey meant and just what the cost to all those sacrifices were. I expect, just like us, as we mature, you get yeah. to look back at your parents and you go, holy shit, now I get it. Yeah. Now I see it. They'll see it. And it's not our job as parents to keep tally. I know that. I know what I did for them. I say I a lot because I also think women need to take credit where it's due. We're very collectivistic. That's fine. That's fine too. I did that. I did that. And I want my daughter to hear that. I want my son to hear how powerful women are so that when he ends up with his mate, he values that. He wants, Mm -hmm. he should have a strong partner, strong contributor. So I don't want them burdened by my life. I want them to comprehend it. And these things that we've passed on to them, they're their superpowers. They can see things from our lenses because in every conversation, it's not weird. I'm not saying, you know how your mother came to this country? I walked barefooted up. We don't do that, right? (laughs) But they get it. They get that, oh, you had to pay for this cash and all I have to do is harass dad in a text and he demos me money. (laughs) So that's their superpower. They're getting it. But the culture where we came from, we go home often. We travel a lot because I want them to see how the world lives. And they see things very, very differently because of how we raised them. That, to me, is one of the greatest gifts that we could have given them. You have a 20-year-old, and how old's your other child? Oh, my son is 19. Oh, wow. Okay. 
and they both attend prestigious colleges now. Your daughter's a psych major. Your son is a division one student athlete. And outside of their accomplishments, you've raised amazing humans who care about their communities, right? So can we talk about your approach to parenting? Because it is Help. unique and different. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Through the various stages of their love development. And tips. Dude, yeah. I love this question. I love okay. this question. Love it. So don't get me wrong. My kids are freaking awesome. But they're also like little jerks, right? <laughs> they're typical. <laughs> they're typical kids, right? They don't answer my texts instantaneously. They know right. what buzz to push. <laughs> uh, they know how to mess with me for sure. But at the end of the day, I wanted them to be contributing members of society. Yeah. And I wanted them to have a real fulfilling life. So you know, the whole time there's no damn roadmap. And there's a saying that the days go by slow, but the years go by fast. I swear to you, I have memories of me tickling them and cuddling in my bed and they were three and five and now they're 19 and 20. What? So what I always did, regardless of the face, is I always spoke to them really, really openly. Mind you, I lived in another country where yeah. the sex conversation, the college conversation, the future never happened. We transitioned to the United States in the middle of me becoming a teenager and having a life and all of that was gone. So I didn't know anything about sex. I didn't know about working. I didn't know about college. I didn't know how to dress for a professional job. All that was gone because we were busy surviving. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, shit, how do I make sure this happened to my kids? What, am I allowed to talk about sex? How early can you talk about sex? Can you talk about sex? Like, how do I? Mm -hmm. So I always talk to them candidly and every conversation was like, dude, I don't know if I'm saying this right but you need to worry about this. Let's talk about that. And of course, terms for their level. You're not going to be talking about inappropriate things when they can't process it. And I always wanted their involvement. Back to the question, does that make sense? Does that sound fair to you? Like going out and partying, driving, being responsible. Who are you hanging out with? What are you doing? Like I found out that as an athlete, there's a lot of girls that will pursue athletes to try to get pregnant so they can get alimony. And I'm like, we are talking about 16 and 17 year olds. What? So now I had to talk to my son about that because I've never experienced D1 recruitment. What is this? No idea. I also had a daughter that went to public school and a son that went to private school. So even that discussion, how dare I put my son here and my daughter here? Went through the whole conversation with my daughter. It was her decision to make. I'm like, I will mortgage the house. We will sell a kidney and we're going to get you into private school. She goes, no, no, I don't need that. I am where I need to be. I have this and that and this. And she had her world, what she needed. They're not the same kid. So mm -hmm. it's okay. It's okay for this to be this way as long as they feel they have what they need. It was always for me a very, very open process. Always. I found that for my son, he likes to have deep conversations where we're not making eye contact. <laughs> so we're watching TV. We're out walking. We're driving a lot in the car but also very direct conversation with this is what I expect. We're going to do stupid. I know that. So why would I lie to him and me going, well, I know you're perfect. No, you're not. So that honesty always carried across with my daughter. Same thing. We always had very hearty discussions. It's very scary how much this kid tells me. Let me tell you what I did this weekend, mom. Oh my God, this boy. I'm like, I don't want to know, but I do. Uh -huh. I do. Yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. So we have these very healthy discussions and, I know my role at this point. I'm not the mom that's going to say, you know, did you look both ways to cross the street? They already know how to do that. It's going to be, oh, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of fun. All right, make sure you're careful tonight and text me when you get in. I'm hoping to God that everything in the middle, I don't have to yeah. reiterate, but it's always that they know the questions to ask. They call me when they're in trouble. They think they know how to laugh. They know how to be. And I know they're still little. They're idiots until 25, 30, 40. They'll figure it out <laughs> or longer or longer. But you know, they're on the right track. And I think they have that right infrastructure. And, and it all comes back to very open and candid conversations where I think if we created that space, I'm hoping that I did. I see glimpses of it where they come to me with really hard things. And I'm like, wow, shit. <laughs> they do call me. They do remember I'm here for that. Yeah. Pretty awesome. But there's that no roadmap. Awesome. And every one of us is different. I really don't want anyone to think my kids don't do that because right, you guys have a different relationship. Yeah. So there's no roadmap, but I receive a lot of knowledge and peace and sometimes the opposite of peace by listening to moms 
who have gone before us. So what is it like to have kids in college? And where are your priorities as a mom now, just in making them feel safe to communicate with you, like accepting them as they are? Yeah. So I would be lying. <laughs> I would be like, lying. It's not easier. It's so hard <laughs> because you can't touch her. I'm a toucher. I want to hug you. I want to see you. you. I want to look yeah. you in the face. Yeah. That's my mom. <laughs> I want to see touch my hair. She wants to know right, how right, I'm right. doing. I want to hold I'm like, get away. Right, right, right. We don't know how, we don't know how to, that whole bubble of space, we don't understand what that is. My son came for Thanksgiving and I'm sitting next to him. We're watching TV. He's watching TV and I'm like this. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he doesn't understand we've been doing that for 20 years. Right, like I'm watching yeah. you breathe. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. you breathe. And the yeah. touching. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. it. I love it. I love it. I enjoy them. I absolutely enjoy them. And I'm doing lots of reading as to what are the things I should be doing. Because again, they're different than we were. This world is different than we were. Remember, we had them for COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah. We kept them for two years when we yeah. were never supposed to have them. A gift. So I see that and they're annoyed. Like, why am I still here with you? Jesus, <laughs> lady, give me some space. So I respect that. I try to give them their space. I don't want to be the annoying mom that the phone rings and they're with their friends and they're like, ah. so I make a point of respecting their space. I did say mm -hmm. 50 times. I need to know how many times you're calling me, FaceTiming me. I need my text responded to. I need attention. I need to know you're alive. <laughs> We've had these discussions. I try to make it funny because I don't want them to dread their relationship with their mom. I want them to still count on me. And I know this face, it's about identity. They're trying to yeah. figure out who they are. They're trying to mature. They're trying to be big dogs in campus. So I have to give them space. You know, they know that there's consequences to any decision. So I constantly ask, what are you doing tonight? Who are you doing it with? What's going on? Where are you going? That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. How are classes and very specific questions so that I get a real answer. And then I give them their space and mm -hmm. it is tough. I just want to enjoy them and I want to enjoy them without stalking them. That's such a fine line. <laughs> <laughs> <gasps> we run away from our kids until they're out of the house and then we stalk them. <laughs> as social media is your friend, you're like scrolling through their friend's social media to right, see if there's right. a picture of your kid back there. <laughs> oh, but it's awesome. Love. It is absolute love. You can't. It's perfect. It's perfect. That's amazing. Before we ask our final question, is there anything else you wanted to add? To this conversation. No, this has been awesome. You guys made okay. me reflect a lot. Aww. And I think Good. as women, we don't do that. No, not I'm enough. on cruise control. Go out yes. to work. I got a Monday, two, three, one, two, three, one, Yeah. And you, just, you sit there and just preparing for this. I was like, oh my God, yeah, I love that. Oh, I hate that. Oh my God, oh. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was great. This was oh, great. Oh, I'm so glad. Okay. How do you define success in working motherhood? So this made me pause. We got to stop judging each other. Oh my gosh, she looks great. She's working out. Look how fit. Look at her hair. Look at her kids are so well groomed. We are not them. So I've stopped. I don't have the Mac Mansion. I've never wanted a Mac Mansion. I don't have the big ass new fancy car. I don't want the big ass new fancy car. So I think the first thing is it has success has to be what you need it to be. For me, I want to be comfortable. I want to be mentally comfortable. I want to be physically comfortable. I want to be financially comfortable so that my kids are not just well, but they're ahead and thriving. That's success for me. I had a conversation with my daughter. She's a junior. She's studying psychology. And every day she analyzes me. She tells me everything that's wrong with me. I just had a class <laughs> and I now know your diagnosis. <laughs> Thank you so much. I was like, do you want to do grad school? She, yeah, I was looking at salaries, mom. And if I don't go to grad school, I'm only looking at like 40 grand. And I think I like social work, but I can't live on that. And I want to do grad school. I had a conversation about that. She couldn't do that if she was crippled in debt and I didn't right. have stability. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sitting here listening to this conversation, self in context, and I'm watching the two of us going, holy shit, look how far we've come. Amazing. Where we can sit here and decide what our future is going to yeah. be. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. So for me, I want to create that world and the relationships where we have real relationships. We have real legacy. We have real legacy that it builds upon it. And my children have wealth. And by wealth, I mean money, stability, mental. I want them to have this tradition that we brought in from our home country, the mm -hmm. books, the Christmas, the reading, all the stuff we do that comes from stability. 
If I didn't have the way to pay a house, you think we're going to be reading the night before Christmas? No, shit, we'd be starving in a corner somewhere. So -hmm. people don't associate that stability with comfort and legacy. I want them to fast forward and talk about, you know, my children are getting to do this because I did that. So that to me is success. That comfort to be able to provide for them and see their legacy play out. And I talked about me first, and I do that on purpose because women, we also tend to prioritize everyone else. And we never say, I want to be well. No, no, I want my children happy. Trisha, mm-hmm. they can't be happy if I'm not happy. So yeah, yeah. let's make sure That's I'm great. stable so that we can live off, like foundationally, we can build that foundation on top of one another. That's success. That's success. Uh, beautiful. Veronica, thank you. Your energy is contagious. I knew it would be. (laughs) Thank you for being here and sharing. It's clear the work that you do and your mission lights you up. I love watching you work. I love learning from you. Where can we direct listeners to learn more and connect with you? My God, you guys are the freaking awesome ladies. Thank you for the platform. Thank you for bringing us together and and sharing stories like this, giving us a way to talk about each other. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. The company is coolassociatesllc.com. I'm Veronica Cool. Not difficult there. You can't forget that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I am on all the platforms. So just keep in touch that way. I share a lot of content in Spanish and English and just have a lot of big plans. Of course, I gush about the kids all the time. It's pretty embarrassing for them, but suck it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're adorable and it's really fun to watch them grow in their success too. Right back at you guys. It's funny. And I know people have said this 50 times over. It happens so fast. You're so busy living. You blink. And now they're out of the house and you, you're looking for a glimpse to smell them, to hold our hand. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> so snuggle, hug them as much as humanly possible because it flies by. Okay. I feel that. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> it's hard sometimes when we're in it to remember that it's going to end soon. It's very fast. So have fun, do everything you want to do, go through the crazy activities. And when they ask for something, do it. We do a lot of experiences and they come back a hundred times over. They just trash each other when you have brother and sister. Aww. And it's just great. It's great because you get to laugh, always yeah. a laugh. And I love that. I love hearing the giggles and the jokes that cannot be bought. So it's a joy for me. So glad to be here with you, ladies. Thank you for the platform. Thank you so much. Good bands, why? Just give me a look.